You're listening to The Ascent Podcast, a production of Foothills Church. Well, welcome into today's episode where we address a topic that is perhaps one of the most pervasive and subtle battles consuming our culture today. In this series, we have been traveling through the Sermon on the Mount, and in this sermon, Jesus arrives at a moment where he speaks directly to the issue of lust. And today, in a culture that is consumed by instant gratification and an unprecedented access to on-demand media of any kind, this is a battle, a topic, and a heart issue that demands our attention now more than ever before. The world says, you know, have as many partners as possible and you're gonna find fulfillment and pleasure. Jesus says that's completely the opposite of what you're gonna, you know, really truly find pleasure and happiness. Here's the way to get it. Here's the way to experience it. And so we, it comes down to trust. Are we gonna trust what he says or are we gonna trust our feelings and trust what culture says? I'm Britton Drown. Thanks as always for listening. Let's jump right in. So Pastor Trent, thank you as always for joining us. And and today we are continuing through the Sermon on the Mount. But given the topic of this message, I I really wanted to start a a bit different. You you ended your recent message with really a, a passionate plea. You said, don't give up. The fact that you are still fighting this battle means that you haven't given up. You haven't given up, and you're not going to give up. Paul says, I'm a wretched man, because what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I find myself running back to that pile of vomit. Who's going to save me? And he says, Jesus Christ is going to save you. He's going to give you hope, and and he's going to show you that, look, you're still in the fight, and so you're not giving up, and we want to hold on to that. Don't give up. Don't give up on your wife. Don't give up on the fight. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your spiritual health. Don't give up on Jesus because he has a plan for your life. God wants to heal your wounds. He wants to heal your marriage. He wants to give you victory, and you will experience it if you pursue him today. You're speaking about a battle that's really rapidly growing in our culture today, and, and, and it's a battle of that onslaught against, you know, sexually explicit material. And so I just wanted to ask, you know, in your mind, what is it that makes this particular battle against, you know, culture and, and that type of content different maybe from other battles that we face as followers? Well, I think everybody's battle is going to be different. And some people are going to, you know, battle this, um, you know, for a longer season than others. But I think this one is just so prevalent just because our culture is putting sexuality before us in, in every venue, you know, it's, 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 we have to work hard not to see it. And so I think that's why it's so prevalent. Uh, it's just cause it's everywhere. And I think the fact that, you know, people are in this fight, I wanted to end the message with hope because I know as we talk about the struggle of sin, sometimes the guilt is so overwhelming that it can kind of put us in, uh, you know, isolation and feel like we're just this terrible person and we're never going to overcome this. And so 
Well, I wanted to give the hope of the gospel is that, hey, the fact that you're still fighting means that you haven't given up yet, and God hasn't given up on you, and and don't give up on your relationship with your wife, and don't give up on pursuing holiness in your life. And so that's that that hope is what we need uh, to see in the gospel to, to help us continue to, to, to fight the battle of whatever sin we're facing. Well, and you mentioned it's something that, unfortunately, today you have to really work hard to, to not be exposed to. To, and and some of these statistics that you mentioned in your message are are quite dire. Thirty million people per day consume pornography. Forty five percent of men and fifteen percent of women are also exposed to it on a weekly basis. It's a ten billion dollar industry in the U.S. and a ninety seven billion dollar industry globally. What do those statistics say? Well, it says that first of all, the rise in women consuming pornography is 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 growing at a fast rate, which which is surprising, you know, from from past generations. And then I think the other thing it says is just how desperate our culture really is, how hurting our culture really is. You know, we're starving for fulfillment. We're we're looking for love or we're starving for, you know, um pleasure and we're looking for for this pleasure without the hard work of real authentic relationships and so it's it's uh it, it just reveals the, the 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 darkness and 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 just the emptiness that so many people are experiencing that we would have to go to pornography to kind of give us that sensation of belonging or or love or or just pleasure. Well, obviously, we see the impact of of pornography and sexually explicit content in the present. But I think a lot of parents who maybe heard this message with fresh ears uh, are also concerned about the impact, obviously, on the next generation. Not only on kids who are consuming this, but perhaps you know the the impact on them presently, but also how they're going to parent differently, how it's going to affect their marriage. How how does this content affect? people not only in the present, but also in the long term. Yeah, I think when I was a kid back in the 80s, um, you had to look hard to find pornography. But today, kids have, have to work hard not to find it because it's just everywhere uh, for them. And and so I think that brings with it a, a new a new day for parents and how we protect them, you know, and, and, and then on the, at the same time, how we prepare them. Because we can't protect them from from every little image or every little thing that is going to come up or even big things. We, we can't protect them from all of it because it's everywhere. And so we have to start having the conversation with, okay, how do we prepare them? When you see this, when you're experiencing this, how do you process this? And and what what is God's desire for us relationally? And what is God's desire for us as it relates to our holiness? And, and how does this affect us long-term? And I think for for the next generation, I mean, pornography is shaping sexual practices, you know, for years to come. I mean, how they relate to, you know, the opposite sex and what their expectations are when it comes to sex and how how this plays out, it, it's going to continue to damage marriages and relationships. Um, and it, it really is also affecting whether or not kids are, you know, this generation will even get married or not. Uh, why do I need to get married? Why do I need a real person when I can, you know, experience, you know, s- sexuality by myself? 
so it's just very, very dark when you start looking at it. It leads me right into my next question, justification. It seems like so many people who are engaged in this type of content are looking or, or, or almost being creative about ways to justify it. Um, why do you think that is? What is it about this that, that leads people to that idea of justifying the action, actions, justifying the con- consumption of that content? What's different about this? Well, I think we all try to justify whatever sin we want in our life. And so it's easy to justify things that we desire. And when when you talk about lust, it, it really is a hard issue. And so whatever whatever is near and dear to my heart is what I what I desire, what I what I ultimately worship. And so it's it's just human nature to justify whatever reigns in our heart. And so um, you know, we often think too that maybe this isn't hurting anybody because it's just I'm by myself. You know, I'm not hurting anybody. This is just me. Nobody's gonna know. Nobody's gonna see. And uh, we just don't realize how it's damaging our brains. It's damaging future relationships. It's isolating ourselves. It's really hurting the heart of God, and it's exposing that that inner heart issue that we have we have allowed lust to reign in our heart, which ultimately hurts our relationship with God. You touched on something interesting there. Um, how, how does this particular um, sin really damage our relationship or our worship? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously all sin damages our, our worship to God, but th- this is a, a heart issue. Um, when, when he says, you know, the, the sin that he's dealing with here is, is adultery and, and really lust in our heart He's, he's saying is the sin of adultery. And so when when that's in our heart, I mean, Jesus is after our heart. Worship is all about our heart. And if our heart is unhealthy, if we're harboring, you know, that lust in our heart, then, you know, it's affecting the way in which we sing to God, worship God, serve God, obey God. Um, that That is the the obstacle, um, one of many, I'm sure, that that is there preventing our relationship with God from, from really reaching deeper levels. As has played out as a theme in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes the sin of adultery and he elevates it in the eyes of, of lust. And he, he really redefines what adultery is for us. And I, I think that's an interesting way to look at this. And can you, can you touch on how our view of adultery should change and should shift as followers of Jesus and how that should affect how we look at this particular problem? Yeah, we've got to shift from just thinking, you know, being with the, you know, with, with this person physically is sin. Um, we have to begin to re- recognize that it really starts within our own heart. And Jesus, I, I think here, is teaching us that adultery is any kind of sexual encounter that we would have outside of the person that we are married to. And so a lot of times we, we, we think, okay, we're single. I can't commit adultery. We're, we're single. I don't have to worry about that one yet. But, but the reality is, you know, you could be single if you're having, you know, sex or sexual encounters, you know, at, at that point and, and you're not married, you're, you're really committing adultery uh, because you're not married to that person. And so that's ultimately, the, I think, the starting point for what Jesus is saying here. And then he, then he takes it even further by saying, okay, not only that, but now it's, it's if you're having lustful thoughts in your, in your heart, in your mind towards someone, then, then, then you've already committed the sin of adultery. And so that raises the standard to such a high level that, that as a follower of Christ, I mean, that, that's 
what we what we must seek. It's what we must pursue um, a, as we seek to not only please Him, but also He's. We go back to the you know beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, to be happy, to be blessed. Here, here's how we are blessed. Here's how we are happy. Here's how we find fulfillment. The world says, you know, have as many partners as possible and you're going to find fulfillment and pleasure. Jesus says that's completely the opposite of what you're going to, you know, really, truly find pleasure and happiness. Here's the way to get it. Here's the way to experience it. And so we, it comes down to trust. Are we going to trust what he says or are we going to trust our feelings and trust what culture says? Culture just seems to be so confused on this topic right now. Yeah. So I'm curious, how do you view the church's role in combating specifically those statistics that we referenced earlier? I mean, there, there is obviously a massive issue here. What is the church's role in speaking into those who are struggling with this topic on multiple fronts? Just even talking about it seems to be something that, that is, is difficult for people. So what is the church's role here to really step in and say, look, this is a sin and this is this is where you find hope? Well, first of all, the church has to talk about it uh, because if we're not talking about it, if we're not equipping the people um, in, in our seats on Sunday and in our small groups that, that are coming, they're coming with hurt, they're coming with pain, they're coming with these issues. And so I, I know from the statistics that there are a lot of people that are facing this. So we have to talk about it. And I think as leaders, as pastors, we, we can't shy away from the difficult conversations. We can't shy away from the things that are awkward. And, um, you know, if you make it awkward, it's going to be awkward. And so you just have to you just have to call it what it is. This is sin. Here's what's happening. And we have to give um, direction on how to overcome it uh, from a biblical standpoint. And then we also have to give hope that people can't overcome this. This isn't an addiction that is, you know, uh, in, like you can't overcome this. Uh, you can. And there is hope. And and God can give uh, freedom in this area. And and so the church has got to talk about it. We've got to, we've got to equip our people better. Well, uh, Jesus certainly used pointed language when he spoke about this particular sin. So I'm curious your thoughts. I don't think it was coincidence that he he used that type of language. So why do you think that was the case? Yeah, I mean, the language is if, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, tear it out, throw it away. Um, you know, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. I mean, this is this is pretty vivid. I mean, I can't think or recall anything else being so vivid in in the New Testament, where Jesus tells us to to essentially um, take such drastic measures to prevent this type of sin. And I think Paul mentions it in First Corinthians six eighteen, I believe, where he says, "Flee from sexual morality," because his point there was that. You know, every other sin is a is a sin that you commit outside your body, but sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And so, you know, I think the 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 language he uses is so vivid, be, so that we would we would get drastic about cutting this kind of sin out of our life, and so that you know we would we would do everything possible, everything necessary to to intentionally walk away from it, cut it out of our life, and. You know, if we don't we don't cut it out, I said Sunday, it will cut you up. I think it's like what what some people have said, like a, a death by a thousand cuts. And so like that's kind of what 
you know, the, the sin of lust will, will do to you. You know, it's like that one little cut, it's that one little time, and then, you know, you didn't get caught, you didn't get found out. Um, and, and, and then over time, you end up looking back and, and you've exposed yourself to it so often that now you've got a million cuts and, and then you're exposed or then you're hurt or then you experience the pain. Well, you gave three practical steps about how to address this if, if this is something that uh, you are struggling with. And those three steps were repent, confess, and my favorite was clean it out. So can you briefly maybe touch on those and, and give a little bit of hope? And I think a lot of people just need con- uh, that confidence to, to, to begin that process. I mean, as with any sin, you know, we, we've got to repent. And that just simply means to turn away, to walk in the opposite direction. And so it is agreeing with God that it's sin. And, and it's a commitment to walk away from that sin. And then confessing is just not only, you know, my point was like, yeah, we confess that to God, that that we agree that it is sin and, and we're going to walk away. But then we also need to confess to a trusted friend, pastor, counselor, godly friend, th- those kinds of things, because, you know, it's a delicate situation to manage on your own. And it's, it's really challenging. You need accountability in your life, someone that will walk with you uh, through this. And, and so, you know, my, my encouragement was like, okay, if, this is, if, you're, if you're a husband and you go home and you confess this to your wife, I mean, she, she may freak out. She may leave you. That's not the best option. The best option at this point is to confess to a trusted friend, pastor, counselor. Let him walk with you through this. Or, you know, if you're a lady, let that uh, godly woman in your life walk you through this. And as you begin to confess, repent, and 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 deal with that, now you're getting into a, a healthier situation to then be able to, you know, talk to your spouse about this, and, and they'll give you wisdom through that. Yeah, clean it out was just the practical side of things. You know, we, we've we got to begin to get practical about this. And so if it means getting a flip phone, get a flip phone. Um, smartphones have way, way too much access. You know, social media is is just one of those things that fuels, I think, the sin of adultery and, and really just lust. And so we need a social media diet or maybe a fast or, you know, accountability. You know, my wife has my passwords to social media. Uh, so people, you know, in, anything that was happening there, she would have access to that, access to that direct messages, those kinds of things. Um, th- these are issues that we could really deal with if we really wanted to. We, we, could, we could knock some of these easier things out, delete hard drives, delete uh, folders and apps that we have on our, our devices that, that hide this kind of material. So, uh, and, and then ultimately, I think, you know, the best way to, to, to do this is really pursue Jesus. <laughs> you commit your life to him, pursue his truth, pursue his, uh, worship of him. And as you pursue him, you begin to leave more of the cares and concerns of the world and the sin that's that's holding you back. Well, as you mentioned earlier, you know, I think this is definitely one of those topics that the church and us as believers can stand up and be bold and continue to, to show others what it truly looks like to follow Jesus. We'll do that again on the next episode of the Ascent Podcast as we take a deeper look at another heart issue discussed in the Sermon on the Mount. And that's the issue of anger. How does Jesus tell us to manage this emotion? We'll talk about that next time.
As always, if you enjoy this resource, we ask that you please hit the subscribe button. Subscribing to the podcast not only helps us to reach more people, but it also ensures that you always receive the latest episodes as we release them every other Wednesday. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate the show. Ratings really do help us to get discovered on your favorite podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.